0: Four five one, four two two zero. I got something for your mind body and soul I got something for your mind body and soul. Good podcast, Phil. You found the bystander podcast. I am your host, the king of casual, the Mr. Rogers of podcasting, Tiny Tim. Today, we are talking coyotes with Dr. Robert Long. How are you, sir?
1: I'm well. Thanks, Tim.
0: Hey, it's really good to have you in here. I know I just met you, and uh, you were brave to come in and, and give me a chance, so I appreciate it. Yeah. Doesn't seem too scary. (laughs) So you work at the Woodland Park Zoo, is that correct?
1: I do. I'm a conservation scientist at Woodland Park Zoo in Seattle, but I live here on Bainbridge Island.
0: Beautiful combination. Yeah. Do you get to go into the zoo quite often?
1: Um, Since COVID, not quite as often. Once every couple of weeks is all I need to be in there. All my work is outside of the zoo for the most part, focused on conservation science.
0: And you have some type of thing where you're filming wildlife is that true, or
1: um, we use technologies like remote cameras quite a bit, camera traps, some people know them as to um, study wildlife that 's one of one of the areas of focus for me yes
0: and do you tag animals and
1: i don't I mean that's been part of my past life, but um, the last couple of decades i've focused mostly on what we call non invasive methods, so methods that don't require you to capture or even oftentimes see in person the animal, things like camera trapping snagging little bits of hair that we can get genetic information from, um, so methods like that.
0: Mm-hmm. So you got the ring bell all on trees out there? <laughs> uh, no. no. No, no. Well,
1: actually, yeah, I mean, we're starting to get a little more data from those types of cameras, so it is quite interesting that people yeah. are starting to use those.
0: So I found you on social media, and um, I did a podcast with Department of Wildlife about the cougar that was on— Barenbridge Island, and uh, I ran into quite a a lot of coyotes, and there was a post that we both saw with some somewhat misleading information about coyotes. And if I can break it down a little bit and correct me if I'm wrong, it's basically a coyote that's caught its back leg in a trap, is that correct? Or it's tied to something?
1: I'm actually not familiar with what you're referring to. Oh, I think it might have been a different thread that...
0: The coyote, um, they were saying, keep your fur babies in. And there was a coyote that was aggressively nipping at a dog.
1: Oh, I see. see. It wasn't the coyote's leg. It was the dog that the coyote was nipping at. Is that what you're talking?
0: The coyote was nipping at the dog, but I think the coyote was defending itself because the dogs had came up on it and it was trapped. Okay. And then there was a, a post talking about how somewhat violent coyotes are right, and that they right. kill dogs. And yeah. and then you came with a correction. You, you must yeah. be on social media more, more than me. Um, <laughs> it's Hit
1: become a, more of a, more of a focus of our work is just to try to
0: educate uh, people, right? Well,
1: yeah. I mean, I, I see it more as sharing information so that people can then make their own good choices, hopefully um, around wildlife and humans um, more and more, you know, it's, it's very clear that people care about wildlife and animals. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. they just don't know some of the facts, and that's understandable. I mean, a lot of people, especially on Bainbridge, might have come from places that weren't quite as rural or forested. or mm-hmm. um, prob- Likely, they had coyotes where they were because coyotes are pretty much everywhere in, in uh, the U.S. now. But, but in any case, I think it's more a sense of many people— just don't know some of the background and history and what a coyote is. So mm-hmm. I just try to provide some information that will allow them to then um, feel a little safer when they're out in nature and um, not not kind of buy into some of the hype that social media tends to um, mm-hmm. encourage. Social media can be really good for sharing some types of things, but it's also a megaphone for people who might not, you know, have all the facts about
0: certain things. Can a coyote be domesticated at all? Um. Can it be my porch puppy?
1: You know, canids, you know, that's probably how we got dogs originally. You know, there were wolves that probably Mm -hmm. started hanging around human, um, encampments. I mean, this is, you know, going back thousands of years. So, um. So, could a coyote be domesticated? Probably. I don't think it's a good idea. Just like most wildlife, um, you know, don't tend to make good pets for, for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so, they are in the dog family. I mean, they're um, the canids are the dog family. So, you, in, in North America here, we've got foxes, and we've got coyotes, and then wolves. So, coyotes are kind of the mid-sized dog, and they share a lot of traits with other um, species in that family,
0: whether it's wolves or domestic dogs. Now, is a coyote 100% carnivore or does it do root vegetables and stuff like that?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, they're classified as omnivores. um, As most animals eat a little bit of plant material, Mm -hmm. cats tend to be stricter carnivores for sure. Coyotes are omnivores and they'll eat everything from um, their main foods tend to be rodents Rabbits, things like that. Um, But they will eat fruits, um, either wild fruits or ornamental fruits off Mm. your shrubs. So they're really um, generalists, and they're good at optimizing and switching their diets. They're plastic in that sense. Fruits. Do dogs eat fruits? Can you give Uh, a dog an apple? Our dog loves fruit. Yeah. Weird. Um, I mean, there are some fruits that aren't good to give your dog that can be toxic to dogs. I think grapes and raisins are one of those. Yeah, Um, for sure. Chocolate, for sure. But yeah, um, coyotes eat a lot of of different uh, fruits, and it also makes them kind of optimal generalists to get into garbage and compost piles and things like that. Mm. And Those, we can talk a little later about some of the ways we might want to minimize our interactions with coyotes, and that's the biggest one.
0: So when somebody puts up a sign that says missing cat, does this just mean dead by coyote?
1: yeah absolutely not. Um, in really? fact, it's probably one of the biggest misconceptions is that coyotes are out there hunting cats. Um, studies that have been done looking at coyote diets in both wilder areas, exurban and then also urban areas you know they'll find evidence of coyotes eating cats, but it's a pretty small
0: percentage.: mm-hmm. um, I definitely that, saw a coyote chasing a cat one day. Yeah,
1: that said, coyotes will kill and eat cats. Um, Mm -hmm. It is documented. It's, you know, not uncommon. Um, The best thing you can do for your cat is to keep it indoors if you're able. The number one killer of cats is cars by far. Mm. And like I said, you know, earlier, we do a lot of research looking at urban carnivores. We've got a whole project focused around it. And there are camera traps that we monitor that we routinely see domestic cats over and over again and coyotes within a day on those same cameras, and the cats survive. Um, I've also seen videos of cats chasing coyotes down the street. Um, cats are not easy to target, but, um, again, once once a coyote, you know, gets a cat fixated. in defense mm-hmm. mode and the cat coyote is fixated, yeah, it's, it's very possible that a cat could become mm-hmm. prey for a coyote.
0: So I see a lot of... Um joking around on the internet about coyotes and hey is your dog missing and there's a lot of ring footage of both the cougar that's been on the mm-hmm. island when i say ring that's a doorbell camera that a lot of people have have installed in their car or er, their houses now and uh, shout out to the guy that invented that and did not get picked up by shark tank and then made a million on his own um so i see a lot of these coyote pictures on the internet how How many um, coyotes do you think populate the island? Um, I don't know. Um, I actually,
1: we have, um, I'm working with a graduate student at University of Washington who is looking at both coyote diet in the greater Seattle area, including on Bainbridge, and also trying to get some sense of the population size. Um, The thing about coyotes, I said they were fairly plastic and could adapt to different diets. They also have... Um, very different home range sizes or areas that they use, depending on how much prey they have, how many other animals are in an area. So it's very difficult to say without a lot of study. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it it seems clear to me from just watching reports and where I walk my dog and where I see different um, coyotes that they're certainly across the island, um, Mm -hmm. in every part of the island. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if there were I, I I could throw out a couple dozen, a few dozen.
0: Yeah, there seems to be a couple places where the, they, they hang out. You know, the Coyote Bar is here and here yeah. and there on the island. Um, do they mainly stay in a pack, or are they solo artists as well? Um, so a, a pack... Um, is just for, for coyotes,
1: a pack is almost strictly a family group. So they're all related animals. Hmm. They also, people use the term pack. I like family group better because when people think of packs, they think of wolves. And those packs and can yeah. not only consist of family members from many previous, you know, a few previous years, but also they can absorb other animals that came from different places and get quite large. Um, wolf packs can be... You know, It's not common, but they can be 20 animals. Um, and the reason for that is because wolves are designed and have evolved to hunt large prey, things like deer and elk and moose, mm-hmm. caribou. So they need that big size. Coyotes do live in family groups, but it's more like your what you might think of as a human family group where um, it's p- the parents, which is a mated pair, Um, they are monogamous and they will stay together pretty much for life. It's one of the few mammal species that that's typically documented. So unless one of those animals is killed, um, they tend to stay together. And then it will be their pups of the year. Um, The pups they're raising, they would have had in the spring and they're bringing up and possibly a couple of pups from the previous year. Um, So the groups don't get that large um, and they do stay together, but they don't hunt also like wolves. They're not pack hunters they don't need to be because, like I said earlier, most of their food is rodents and rabbits, and you don't need a it's pack of a rodent, yeah. rodent and a rabbit. So there's a bit of a misconception that coyotes get in these packs and go hunting. Um, it's not typically the case. They're, they might end up hunting in the same place and chasing the same animal, especially if it's a bigger animal, like a deer fawn or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um Coyotes also can occur as singles, as individuals. Um, There are always floater individuals because when pups are anywhere from six to nine months old, they can start to look for their own territories. So you've got all these pups looking for new territories. So you've got these floater individuals trying to find mates and establish their own territory. And they they can exist that way for a while if they don't find a mate. So you might also have single coyotes. If you do see a coyote out alone, you will have no way of knowing whether that's part of a family group mm-hmm. or it's a single coyote um, because they do forage alone and they are alone often.
0: Yeah, I saw a deer that was hit by the side of the road, and um, a bunch of coyotes came and cleaned that carcass up really quick. I yeah. would say within an hour. I walked by it, came back. Interesting. It was gone. Yeah. Do they hunt deer? Um, or just the young fawn? Or So they can hunt deer. You will hear,
1: I guess— one thing one thing that I always like to start discussions with is that um, scientists like to talk in probabilities and what usually happens. Um, mm-hmm. There are always exceptions. And in the age of the Internet, it is easier than ever to Google something and find an exception that occurred somewhere around the world that you mm-hmm. never would have expected. So I, I like to never say never, first of all, especially when we're talking about wildlife or humans, for that matter. Um, in general... Coyotes are not big hunters of deer. Deer are strong, they're big animals, and they're dangerous to actually try to take down. It takes many wolves to really effectively take deer down. Hooves on hooved animals, their Mm -hmm. feet are quite dangerous and can easily crack a skull, break a leg, and that's really dangerous for a coyote. So um, it would have to be a coyote that was really, or a couple of coyotes probably, one coyote wouldn't try it. Um, in desperate shape, or a deer that was really injured or, or hurt. Now, they will take deer fawns. Um, deer tend to have dropped their fawns um, in June, late May, June, early July. And um, if coyotes can find fawns, they will um, take fawns. And although that's hard, and I'm an animal lover, and I love wildlife, um, it's important because we live on an island, and if you had every fawn that was born to a deer, and oftentimes they have two, um, very quickly, if there weren't something taking those fa- some the of population. those fawns, exactly, regulating or controlling the population a little bit, we would be overrun by deer. And that brings a lot of its own challenges, not only for people trying to grow ornamental shrubs and gardens, but you are much more likely to... Um, Kind a deer a, a on bad the car interaction yeah. with a, a deer than you are with a coyote. Yeah, hitting uh-huh. deer um, by cars kills far more people. Well, kills people and coyotes don't for the most part. Mm-hmm. So they will take deer. It's mostly fawns, and even that, deer fawns are pretty good at hiding. Um, deer have pretty good evolutionary mechanisms. So probably deer get hit by cars more than they get killed by coyotes. And like you said earlier about scavenging, coyotes are really efficient scavengers. It's a lot of what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Just because you see a deer being eaten by coyotes absolutely doesn't mean the coyotes were the cause of death for that deer.
0: Interesting. So they're not killing all the cats. They're not killing all the deer. Um,
1: no, and just to be clear, um, and I want people to be safe with their cats. So we're not seeing, you know, most studies show very few cats in coyote diets. Somewhere, mm. I, I think the number is like 4 to 8% of of, of Coyote scats or droppings that have been mm-hmm. looked at might have some sort of uh, a cat in them. Um, but it's not it's not a big part of their diet, and they're not out there just hunting cats. But it's dangerous for your cat to be out in the wild, mostly because of cars, but also because of coyotes.
0: Plus your cat takes down the bird population when, yep. when they're outside so yeah, often. Yeah, that's a
1: good point. And, I mean, we could do a whole whole show just on cats and birds and um it tends to be you know a a difficult discussion for some people they want the Mm -hmm. best for their cats and a lot of people feel like outdoor cats have a better quality of life um i don't tend to agree i've seen lots of indoor cats with great qualities of life and i tend to think it's better for the cats indoor cats live longer um they get fewer diseases injuries things like that
0: yeah definitely bring them in you know in the short periods outside yeah um, so you gave a speech recently at Islandwood. When you go out to schools and talk, what kind of talks, what do those talks look like?
1: Um, yeah, it was, it was a great evening, um, packed house. Um, and really, it tends to be the same kinds of questions that you're asking me right now. These are some of the mm-hmm. same themes that come up that... Even people who know a little about coyotes and maybe don't have a lot of fear still have questions. Um, so I, I often talk about the same types of things that we're talking about right now, and a lot of them fall into what I, a lot of us tend to consider to be myths, and oftentimes myths have a kernel of truth, but then they're not quite interpreted the right way. Um, so I try to really pull those myths apart and, mm-hmm. and instead of just throwing a bunch of facts at people.
0: So myth number 1, do they fight with dogs?
1: Yeah, um coyotes are in the dog family and they're extremely curious and mm-hmm. they're territorial and they um basically will defend a territory. They're very much like other social animals including humans. So I think mm-hmm. humans <laughs> humans might have a hard time with them sometimes because maybe they we see a little too much in them. Um so The number one thing we tell people who are concerned about their dogs is to walk dogs on leashes. Um, I know a lot of people like to have their dogs off leash. And if they have strong voice control, that might be um, a a, great thing to do at the dog park. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But the best thing to do is to walk your dog on a leash because the one of the main instances when coyotes and people tend to get into conflict is with off leash dogs who are also curious and protective and will often chase a coyote. Um, And if you chase a coyote and it's being chased into its territory, most of the time those coyotes will just leave the dog in the dust because they're quicker and they know the woods and they can move faster.
0: Yeah, there's a coyote by my house that's got a broken leg and um, he can fly. Yeah. He can just fly. He, He limps around when he's walking slow, but... You see him chase something, it's all over. He's yeah. fast as and can be.
1: And wild animals, you know, that's that's their, their bread and butter is moving through the wild. Um, so most of the time they'll run away. But occasionally, and this is usually what happens, is they'll turn because the dog's getting too close and defend themselves. And that can often end up with a dog being bitten, which unfortunately will end up in a reporting summary as a coyote attack. And true that coyote turned and bit the dog, but it really wasn't the coyote's fault as far as I can tell. Um, and so, so that, that is, it's not a myth that coyotes will bite dogs, but the situation mm-hmm. is often, uh, misconstrued. There's also, um, a, a m- a myth out there that is also a misinterpretation of something that might look a little uh, that is kind of true is coyotes are curious, and if you have a house that is on the edge of a coyote's territory, say it backs up to a forest, um, it's not uncommon for a coyote to be at the edge of its its territory, what it considers its house or its home,
0: boundary, and saying "hey"
1: and looking at your yard. And if you have a dog in your yard, it might be curious. It might not even be concerned. Or aggressive, it might mm. just be curious. Like, what's this other very closely related species doing, hanging out right on the edge of my house? Do coyotes and dogs play together at all? Well, and that's the thing. There have been reports of coyotes playing with dogs, so I won't say never. But they're competitors, and I mm, they would, look at would, them as a competitor. <laughs> I would never recommend someone try to get their dog to play with a coyote. Usually, the coyote's just going to run away. But if it feels threatened, it might bite. So there's this myth that coyotes are luring dogs out of their yards Hmm. so that they can bring them into the woods and then the pack that we talked about earlier can surround it and kill it. Hmm. And it's just not, (laughs) it's putting a lot of human ideas and anthropomorphizing something that What does that word mean? I'm sorry. That just means um, putting human traits and ideas onto an animal. Uh, it might look a certain projecting. way. You're interpreting something based on a human construct, but gotcha. this is an animal. Probably what's happening is this is a curious coyote. It's at the edge of its territory. It might be looking at the dog, off-leash dog with no fence. Might, mm-hmm. might see that as a threat or just be interested. Chases the coyote into the woods. The coyote runs, tries to lose the dog because it doesn't want to. It's interact. exactly the
0: scenario I was talking about earlier. Yeah,
1: and then maybe it runs into the rest of the family group. And that's not a good situation because if someone runs into your house, you're mm. going to defend your, your living room if something runs into it. So again, it might look like that coyotes luring dogs. Um, but really it's probably just curious. It might be a little territorial, um, but it's usually the dog running into the coyotes territory. That's Ex- you yeah, the problem.
0: Now that I look back at it, it's, that's exactly what happened in the situation I had with the dog off leash. And I thought they were luring it back to a den, um, because there was four coyotes, which yep. was a lot in my estimation. I hadn't seen more than two together and right. seen four. And, but they also seemed like they were playful, like genuinely like, okay, here's our territory, the edge of woods. But when we come out of the woods, I'm willing to play yeah. a little cat and mouse with you. And they
1: might be. They might have been. I mean, they might have been pups. Um, in the summer, the pups, when they're younger, they're learning the ropes. Oh, and yeah. they're, they're young Dog family, you know, canids, and um, I've seen coyotes on video and in cameras um, just playing with sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen them in urban environments playing they're with cute, a like stuffed puppies. animal. Yeah. Like um, they got a stuffed animal from some yard or some street corner, and mm-hmm. they brought it back to their the place where they hang out, and they're throwing it around. They're just puppies, and it probably was again um, a family group. Could have been a mated pair, which are monogamous, like I said, and, and mate for life. What and are some
0: of the I'm oh, sorry to cut you off, okay. but what are some other animals? Is it the penguin monogamous?
1: You know, I don't know off the top of my head what animals are monogamous. Because they're, they're... I, was,
0: I was in New Zealand and they had these blue penguins, and they all come out to the edge of the beach at the end of the day and scream for their mate. Trying to say, hey, this right. is where and they can home identify
1: is. them just by the call, I
0: think. Because the the penguin will go out and swim up to 50 miles a day right. for food yeah. and, and bring some home.
1: And I don't know. Sometimes um, animals are very uh, committed during the breeding season and they'll do that. They'll provide food, but then they'll. Well, it's kind of like up. a
0: guy tries harder when he first gets a uh-huh. girl.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, uh, again, we might be anthropomorphizing here, but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. So that's one of the myths I might talk about. Some of the other myths are um, how large coyotes are. I hear mm. a lot of um, they're reports. mid-sized dogs, right? Yeah, they're they're fifteen to thirty-five pounds. Yeah, that's not big. So mid to small, and um, but they can look much bigger in the winter. They put on this big, thick coat, mm-hmm. so they can look bigger in size that way. They're also lanky, so their legs are can be quite long, and so people often miss miss estimate how large they are. I, I, It's routine to hear people report that um, this coyote was clearly the size of their German shepherd, who mm-hmm. was probably 70, 80, 90 pounds. And right. um, I've even heard, you know, coyotes in getting into places where, well, I won't go there, but it, I mean... They're pretty lean, just another too. Example. I mean... They can be. And, the, and then in the summer, when they lose that winter coat, they can look really skinny yeah, and really lanky. Um, so... Scale and how far you are from them and what's around them can really play tricks with your mind. But they probably aren't around over 35 or so pounds. Some of the biggest coyotes reported, um, are in the Midwest and Northeast and they do a lot of coyote hunting in those States. So they have thousands and thousands of coyotes and they weigh each one. Well, let's go on to that next. Okay, Um, they weigh each one and some of the very largest coyotes are 50, 55 pounds, um, there are situations, especially in the northeast, where there's been some past hybridizing with wolves and those mm. those animals might be getting a little larger on average than here. But here really um it might be in GMO
0: vegetables, vegetables out of your yeah, garden.
1: Yeah, they're they're big big and brawny and healthy. So anyway, size so, tends to be a yeah.
0: Are there some states that have um incentivized programs to depopulize the yeah. coyote population? Yeah. Um,
1: The history of predator control in the U.S. is... um, Nightmare. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty horrific. Um, You know, ranchers and um, others who perceive predators like wolves and cougars, coyotes, um, as a threat to their livelihood um, have a history of poisoning and trapping and shooting. And then the federal government for a long time thought it was a good idea to try to help people that way. And it turns out there are so many problems that are created when that happens that um, we're now trying to restore many of these populations because we recognize how important they are for the environment. The other thing is that they don't work, um, at least for coyotes and especially for coyotes. Coyotes are so um, plastic and adaptable that even in states where they kill thousands and thousands of coyotes every year and try to get rid of them, coyotes are, are plentiful and they're back on the landscape. And that's, that's the other myth that I think I like to talk with people about is there's this idea that well first of all that coyotes are a problem just seeing a coyote or having them in your area and mm-hmm. that's definitely not true we, we can totally talk co- a little more
0: about that we can totally coexist <clears throat>
1: we can and and for the most part they're not a threat to people and they don't need to be to pets but even if we wanted to get rid of them i often hear people talking about relocating coyotes or um getting rid of them altogether, um, one way or the other. And it's just not possible. Coyotes have um now adapted and are in most North American cities. They're everywhere. Um mm-hmm. you know, they're in places you wouldn't expect them to live, um, like Seattle and Chicago, um most most of our cities. And places like Bainbridge are optimal. You know, we've still got plenty of forest. We've got a combination of both wild foods, which is great. And then they're probably also taking some human foods, whether it's um, pet food that's left on a porch or garbage, um, things like that. So we're not going to get rid of coyotes here. Um, We really do need to learn to live with them.
0: So is there any programs out right now that are, you know, paying people to depopulize a certain species, like I think the last program was mountain goats uh, for a while that we they were paying people to kill um, them.
1: I guess there are are two different directions I could go with that question. One is the mountain goat situation is on the Olympic Peninsula, Mm -hmm. and mountain goats were not native on the Olympic Peninsula. They never lived there. They didn't evolve to live there. Um, They were put there probably by people who wanted to hunt them. And what we find is when we introduce animals to places that they didn't evolve, typically they have really bad effects. Um, they either overeat their vegetation that they need to eat with or they compete with other competitor, uh, other species, or they sometimes prey on other species if they're a predator. Uh, mountain goats were, were not in the Olympics, so there is an attempt because we think we can, we meaning the conservation. and um
0: Well, it's ridiculous. I mean, we
1: somebody,
0: we were grabbing them with helicopters after yeah tranquilizing and that's in the him. Olympics. And then one of the helicopters even crashed and the pilot died in that program. And it was just so financially irresponsible in my mind to take a dart, hit one goat, strap it up to a helicopter, and then fly it out. And, and that was the process. Yeah. Super um, expensive.
1: Yeah, and I think that take home here without getting too deeply into the decision making around that project is that
0: did you green light it
1: i was not involved (laughs) okay but it's a difficult situation and it's not just with goats it can be with things like introduced snakes things that are much harder to find and and Hmm. um introduced carnivores in different places like uh um mongooses that have been released um in hawaii to try to get a handle on other pest species. They thought it was a good idea, but now the mongooses are eating everything. So it's a really, I think the take home is that we need to think really hard about when we tinker with systems and move Mm -hmm. species around without really thinking through the consequences, um, keeping native species on the landscape. So all I was going to say is those goats, um, they're trying to get those out of there because they think that will be the best chance for that system, that ecosystem, that's Mm -hmm. the Olympic peninsula to Recover and have the least damage from that. The decisions about moving the goats live versus shooting them or something like that is a much longer conversation that um, I wasn't privy to and
0: also gets complex. How much damage were they doing, really?
1: Um, again, I don't know the details, but a lot of the places that mountain goats live are high alpine areas. Mm-hmm. That, first of all, don't have a lot of vegetation, so they can do a lot of damage quickly. And they take a long time to recover, many decades and, and, and mm-hmm. up to 100 years in some places. Wow. The lichens, um, some of the plant species. So, lichens. Uh, sorry, it's a, a plant growth that occurs at high elevations on gotcha. rocks. Yeah.
0: Um, I'm just presuming that half my audience is.
1: No, no, that that's great. Yeah, and lichens are really complex. You should Google them yourself and find a, a good source of information for DuckDuckGo. That they're really interesting. Um, so you were talking about taking out populations, and mm-hmm. so that's one thing is taking out native, uh, non-native, maybe invasive populations. The other thing that people have tried to do with with uh, coyotes and other predators is just eliminate them so they're not competing with us and there's a perception that they might be dangerous. So there wasn't, you know, there are attempts to, to remove them. In most cases, the threat is not that real and it's Mm. an overreaction. And
0: it's not like the wild boar situation. in in Texas and Florida, where they're getting 600 pound pigs running through the houses.
1: Yeah. Again, this, you know, it's most likely a situation with an introduced exotic species that Mm. has now started to do damage
0: and maybe also somewhat dangerous. Um, super dangerous yeah (laughs) you want a 600 pound pig going after your kid yeah or your dog or your cat or
1: in terms of coyotes and danger though i think that's the other biggest question i get are they dangerous and again any wild animal is not something you should approach and it could bite you so um or it could kick you in the case of hooved animals so I never like to say animals aren't dangerous, but coyotes are pretty low on the danger scale. Um, And there are very, very few instances of people being bitten. Um, They call them attacks often. Usually it's a bite and um, being bitten. Um, There have only been two instances of humans being killed by coyotes in all of recorded history in North America.
0: Two. wonder what those two people did.
1: Yeah, one probably was a situation where coyotes were being fed. Um, The other, it's very unclear, but two, so almost any other cause of death you can think of has a higher risk to you than coyotes, if you're a human. Um, There, I think, were about 360 or fewer than 400 recorded attacks or bites by coyotes on people from 1977 to 2015. That's very low. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there are somewhere around 4 million dog bites every year in the U.S. Um, So the risk of of actually a coyote um, coming into conflict with you is extremely low. Um, And that leads to, you know, some other myths I often hear, that coyotes are stalking people. Um, Oftentimes coyotes will... Either if they're curious or if you're in or near their territory, especially during denning season, which is in mm-hmm. the spring, um, they do. They often will do a, a behavior we call escorting, where they'll basically just watch you and w- maybe even walk towards you. And if you start to leave, they'll keep walking towards you because essentially they're saying, "I'm a little concerned. You're too near my pups, yeah. and Get I just want to make sure you're you're not a threat and you're not yeah. going to keep coming." And um, that's not a problem. It's not a reason to um, really start to be concerned about coyotes. It's pretty common. Um, And usually uh, gets us into another topic. Um, I really encourage people to not overreact in situations where coyotes are being wild coyotes. Um, If coyotes are coming onto your property or onto your porch or um, seem to be coming closer than you think, we are now advocating what, you know, we call gentle hazing or ethical hazing, where you want to scare the coyote a little bit. And usually that's just clap of the hands, maybe taking a couple mm-hmm. of steps towards them, raising your hands above your head. Um, we want to make sure coyotes aren't getting too used to people. Um, so, you know, a couple of claps like that, we usually get a coyote running. If it's in a place where you think there could be a coyote den, if it's in the spring, um, you would probably be better off just avoiding that area or moving moving out
0: now you were saying a den is just basically burrowing or digging a hole to keep the the, the mom during labor and the the pups warm is it or secure or
1: yeah both hidden um, coyotes only den when they're about to have pups and then during the period where they're raising the er, very young pups so that'll be in the early spring um, and spring they'll either dig a den or find some boulders that they can dig between or a a stump or something like that. It's usually a dug space. Um, they will have their pups in that den anywhere. It really varies four to seven pups seems like average. Um, and then they'll, uh, nurse those pups in the den for somewhere around four weeks, four to six weeks. And that's when they use the den. Um, after that, into the early summer, summer they're out of their den and they won't be using a den. They don't den the rest of the year. They will um, sleep on the ground, curled up um, in bushes somewhere they Mm -hmm. feel safe. Um, So they
0: mostly nocturnal.
1: um, Yeah. Yeah. And let me, let me finish the den, the den mentioned, but so the den provides, yeah, it probably provides some warmth, but it's mostly safety. It's a safe spot from other predators
0: or things that might um, affect those pups. Mm -hmm. So, And they have Um, two entrances kind of like,
1: yeah, they can have multiple entrances and they'll also have sometimes multiple dens so that if a den gets disturbed, they can move those pups to another den. Um, again, you know, coyote, um, parents are really protective and, um, Mm -hmm. they want those pups to survive. So, so they're going to do everything they can. It also, you know, it doesn't mean coyote, a coyote den near your, where you live is necessarily a problem. Um, you might see a little more protective behavior from those coyotes. You might want to avoid it, but, um, it's not, it's not a threat to you or your family or anything like that activity. So when are, when are coyotes active? Um, coyotes in wild places are typically active throughout the day and night. Um, probably a little Mm. more active dawn and dusk, which a lot of animals are. Um, but they'll, they'll move around, hunt, do their thing day and night. Um, So it's really not uncommon to see coyotes during the daytime. It's not a bad sign. Um, In places where there are are quite a few humans in very urban environments, for example, Chicago, there's been a lot of research done on coyotes in Chicago, Um, they will shift typically towards more night and nocturnal um, activity just because they're really trying to avoid humans. And that's the easiest time for them to get around and do their thing and forage and get what they need without coming into contact with humans. Um, places like Bainbridge, we're, we're kind of in the middle here and we're a little more on the wild side. I'd say we still have a lot of natural prey, uh, a lot of forest. So, um, I don't, I don't consider it a real concern. If you see a coyote in the daytime, I see them quite often in the daytime and I don't think it means
0: they're being, yeah, it was definitely a myth for me that if I saw a coyote during the day, I was like, Oh no, not getting in enough food. It looks gaunt. Right. It's ready to attack, anything, because it's starving to death. Yeah. It's good to know that, no, that's pretty normal.
1: Yeah, and again, it's it's location-specific. If you're in the middle of a big city and a coyote's always out during the daytime and seems to be interested in, you know, your yard, that might be a, a bit of a warning sign that maybe it's
0: getting fed. You know, this is a horrible question, but is it legal to shoot a coyote that comes on your property? So in, in Washington State...
1: And in many other places coyotes are unclassified wildlife in terms of the state agency that regulates how we hunt and manage wildlife and that really means that there aren't really many rules around what you can do so technically and legally um, people can shoot coyotes um, and kill them there are no bag limits um, you start to run into issues with municipal codes and what you can do in terms of discharging firearms so um, mm-hmm. That might. Because I
0: know you can hunt deer on the island, but you got to do it by arrow.
1: Yeah. And game species and some carnivores that are regulated more, like bears, um, there are definite seasons around when you can hunt them and what types of um, either firearms or archery that you can use. Do but you think there's bears on the
0: island? Let, hold on. <laughs> I'm just throwing <laughs> stuff out. I got so many, many questions. This is great. Yes. Yeah,
1: this is a great conversation. Um, so, so. Technically, in Washington, you can shoot a coyote um, Mm -hmm. if you're in a place where it's legal to shoot. However, um, I would question why you're shooting the coyote. And some people maybe just don't like animals, and they don't want to see anything around them. Um, Most of the time, coyotes are not going to be a threat to you, your pets. Um, If you take care of fencing and um, having a secure paddock and bringing your chickens and goats and pigs and... um, Sheep in at night. Uh, mm-hmm. There are ways to mitigate or try to avoid interactions like that. Um, Be smart. Yeah, and you've got to you got to think about it. And it's not going to do it. You know, your animals aren't just going to take care of themselves. Um, so if if you do all that, I don't see a real need for shooting animals. And quite frankly, if you're worried about the risk of coyotes to you, your family, your pets. Um, the idea of trying to shoot at a small moving animal with a firearm that kills way more people in the U S accidentally going off, even, even for people who take care of their guns, um, is a much greater risk to injuring yourself or someone than a coyote would ever be. Mm -hmm. And that also goes for trapping. I often hear people asking whether coyotes could be trapped and moved off the Island. Again, there's no real reason to do that. Um, they're, they're, They're not a big threat. And traps um, can easily catch our dogs, our cats. There would be um, much more damage. Collateral damage. Yeah. Yeah. So I think people, they might quickly think, oh, here's a solution. But if you think through it, um, the risks and rewards of those things are, are tough. So what was your next? What was your question? Bears. Bears. So, yeah, we, we definitely occasionally will have bears on Bainbridge Island, which is an exciting thing. I mean, that mm-hmm. means we live in a place that still has forest and a bear might want to be.
0: We've got a um, tremendous amount of forest here.
1: We do. We do. and um, But bears probably don't live here consistently. They probably don't, you know, they're they're not residents. They don't have their young here and bring up families there's Mm -hmm. really not enough space for a bear to keep away from people which again bears like coyotes tend to not want to be around people and bears even more so so there's really not enough space for bears to exist here without constantly running into problems with people um so i i don't think they would be here long they don't tend to stay here long i've i've been on the island now for about nine years I think. And there are bears occasionally. seems like almost every other spring now we get um, valid reports and photos of bears on the Mm -hmm. island. Um, So they do come over. Um, They could swim. They could run across the bridge. That's not – that wouldn't be unheard of. They probably are swimming. Bears are really good swimmers and we're not that far from the Yeah, I'm pretty
0: sure they're staying off the bridge. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. And again, you mentioned the cougar earlier. Um, There was a cougar on the island. That's even more rare than a bear. Um, coming on that it island.
0: reappeared a couple weeks ago
1: yeah i don 't know. I never saw confirmation of that, and that 's another that 's mm. another interesting topic is that um, when things are reported, there tend to be a lot of reports of that thing, even in places where there 's no real evidence that that thing mm. happened and i I definitely like I said earlier i, I don 't ever say never, and cougars and bears they do occur on the island, so mm. it 's not out of the question but People tend to report them much more often than those animals are actually there. Um, I lived in Vermont for years, long before cougars were ever even being reported towards the East Coast. And um, it seems like everyone on my road had, you know, swore that they had seen cougars. And there, weren't, there were no cougars. Um, so people often see cats at a distance and think that they're bigger than they are because they don't have a good gauge of scale. Mm-hmm. They often see, often see the flanks of deer which can look like a cougar, the side of a a tan deer. Hey, some people
0: see Jesus. (laughs) This is true.
1: Yeah, so um, I think you usually get more reports of animals Mm -hmm. once there has been a confirmation or when people start reporting them even when they're not there. And again, I'm not saying the cougar wasn't here again a few weeks ago, but I didn't see any... Um, verifiable evidence that it was here there could have been, and maybe mm-hmm. i just didn 't see it i 'm not on Facebook um, by choice, so i don 't see some of the discussion on Facebook.
0: well, I just know that I walk the east sector of the Grand Forest daily, and there 's a bunch of new signs that says cougar 's been spotted in this area re- recently
1: yeah, and i think I think the agencies here on the island um, are trying to be proactive, so if there was a cougar and it was verified, then that would be a good reaction just to let yeah. people know. I
0: mean, there's been that sign, watch at Gazam Lake for years, you know, yeah. watch out for owls uh, flying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen an owl here. during yeah. the day walking at Gazam Lake.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think the agencies, again, they're trying to be um, – provide people with some information, just warn them. Um, it's a mm. good idea, to, you know, just if people think that it might be there to leash your dogs and things like that. Um, but – I haven't seen any evidence since um, I forget the date exactly, but a year and a half ago or so, when when we, we were seeing photos of that cougar. Cougar's is a big animal, and they hide they hide well. But on an island with this many people and this many cell phones, um, like we were seeing, mm-hmm. um, they, it was being sighted. That so.
0: cougar got quite a few sheep and goats,
1: though. It got a couple early on, and again, I think I think it was a good lesson and a helpful lesson because. I think many people raise livestock and sheep and, and chickens and maybe they haven't lived somewhere quite so close to predators or they're just getting into it. I know it's a really uh, fast-rising hobby.
0: Yeah, especially um, – we got a chicken and, coop tour on beautiful Bainbridge Island. Yeah, you know? yeah,
1: and that's great. I mean local local um, meat and local eggs is, is important and that's great. I think some of those um, people raising them maybe hadn't lived anywhere or hadn't raised mm. animals like that near – where a cougar might live. And so there were things maybe they were doing that weren't quite as proactive in terms of protecting those animals. What I did notice is that after the first couple of animals were killed, um, some of those um, people raising those animals really reached out and said, what can we do? And there was an effort um, to provide a lot more information about how do you keep your animals safe. And to my knowledge, the actual... um, killing of, of animals like that dropped off almost totally. Mm-hmm. And my sense is cougars um, are have evolved to live mostly on deer. So they do hunt big animals. We don't have a lot of deer on this island. And once the livestock issue, once people were taking care of their livestock and protecting them and bringing them in at night, there probably wasn't much on this island for a cougar to be interested in. And again, too many people, it was probably hiding all the time. And as soon as it had a chance to get off the island, it probably did. Um, it's
0: kind of hypocritical, too. Those farmers are going to kill them sheep anyway. Yeah, that's also another
1: another big topic. Um, well, You're vegetarian, vegan? Yeah. Which are you? Uh, I'm are a vegetarian you... for the most part. For the yeah. most part? But, I mean, th- these, those are all personal choices, and we could do a whole po- podcast on food choices. And I got all day to talk food. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: w- would you eat... Uh, a clam or a snail or something like that that's not quite an animal animal so i guess i guess i should
1: preface some of this with um <laughs> Much of my work with Willem Park Zoo is around carnivores, and Mm -hmm. um, I came on here to talk about coyotes, and that's great. It's part of what I do for work and um, how I represent Woodland Park
0: Zoo. You don't want people to know what you eat. (laughs) When I start shifting into discussions
1: around my diet, um, that's not representing Willem Park Zoo. And I'm not going to cut it off. I mean, I'm comfortable. I think the most important, but I just want to be clear, um, this is not a position (laughs) – For my employer or anything like that. Um,
0: I hope this is not just a representation of the zoo. It's just you as a person. No, no. This is is community member.
1: and a a member of Bainbridge Island. And this is great. Um, I think the most important thing is that people think about where their food comes from. Sourcing. Sourcing. And um, make choices that hopefully uh, have benefits for their health and for the environment. And Mm -hmm. for me, that means a mostly plant-based diet. Um, I try to when I do eat um, cheeses or things that come from animals try to try to know where the, they come from and how those animals are being raised and the scale of the farms and things like that. So it's really for me about where animals come from.
0: Yeah, I never quite got the you can't have cheese or you can't have an egg, um, especially if you, you don't if you have a flock of chickens with with no rooster, none of those eggs are f- fertile, right? So
1: again. I mean, this is a really Splitting intricate, hairs. Got complex Got discussion. You. I mean, yeah. Maybe we shouldn't go there for this we'll, podcast. We'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> really great topic. And, and again, I, I think it's, everyone has their comfort zone and what they right, decide right. to focus on. And it's I'm great not... for people to think about what they eat. and that's, that's...
0: I'm going to go kill a seaweed salad at Subi after this. <laughs> after my 14-hour fast. Um, what other myths do I not know about coyotes? Well, I guess one big one is um,
1: I often hear reports that people heard coyotes howling after they killed something
0: at night. Hey, what is the howling about? Because I do hear coyotes howling at yeah. night. I sit on the porch with my dogs and their their ears are up. Yeah. And it's kind of tranquil. Yeah, coyotes are really
1: vocal. Um, and howls are only one of the things they do. They do a lot of barking. They do a lot of yip um, yipping, kind mm-hmm. of short, high-pitched barks. Um, they've also got this really unique ability to... Do something with their voice. And I, I'm not a musical uh, I love music, but I'm not I don't play music, so I don't know mm-hmm. exactly how to describe it. But they can achieve some different sounds within just one one coyote with its yipping and and um whining and barking and howling that makes it sound like many more animals. Um oh, yeah. it has something to do with the different octaves or the different tones that they can produce, and there's a there's actually a scientific name for this effect, but And what it results in is maybe two, three coyotes sounding like they're 10 or 15. It Mm. really amplifies. And so people often overestimate the number of coyotes that are out there howling. There's been some actual studies that show that people often overestimate by at least a third um, the number of coyotes that are actually there. Um, And then the other thing is that coyotes vocalize for many different reasons. You know, they vocalize to just indicate relationship within the the family group or greeting or, um, trying to just establish where people, where their people, (laughs) where the individuals are within the family group at a certain time. Um, they greet each other. They're very vocal. Um, and so the only thing that I have never heard, um, attributed to coyotes is that they vocalize and how, when they've killed something or when Mm. they're going out to, to hunt, because, again, remember early on we talked about the fact that they're not real pack hunters. They don't need to get together in these big packs. So um, if you hear coyotes vocalizing, it's almost certainly not because they're about to go hunting or they just killed something.
0: Um, Can and it then, be like, hey, Robert, come home for dinner. It's time to go to bed, something like that? No, not really. They're – you know, they know –
1: generally where the other members are and they're moving around a lot but so why is
0: it consistent sometimes at night it goes on 10 yeah, I 15 mean, minutes
1: yeah i mean they might be more active um at a certain time and it's not just at night you do hear it during the day you often hear it more at night and again that might partially be real in that they might be that group might be more active at night mm-hmm. or it might be because all the other noises are, are gone are yeah gone and you're hearing them That's i why do I mean. hear coyotes during the day occasionally
0: That's why I love walking my dogs after eight thirty because this island shuts down at eight thirty, and you hear the frogs, you hear the owls, you hear the coyotes. It's and the air is so clean and breathable. It's really nice. Wonderful,
1: wonderful place to live for nature.
0: Wind down the day. The
1: other, the other vocalization myth is that I hear is um, that they can hear the animal that these coyotes presumably just killed screaming and in in agony. Again, it's almost certainly the actual coyotes because they do these really high-pitched screams and yips and howls that you wouldn't believe could come out of a small dog family animal. Mm -hmm. Um, And it sounds a lot like it could be a person screaming or people put it on to different types of animals. You know, I heard a deer screaming as it was being consumed. And not to get too graphic, but although coyotes do eat deer, um, it's almost certainly the coyotes just greeting each other and howling. You're probably not hearing any animal being consumed because the vast, thing, the vast number of things that are consumed are rodents and rabbits and... and uh,
0: they don't talk with their mouths full.
1: Vegetation and things, you know, <laughs> fruits and things like that. So, again, I wouldn't rule it out. If you saw an animal, a larger animal, being killed by a coyote, it might be making some noise, but, but mostly people are probably hearing the coyotes themselves.
0: And when they kill an animal like that, do they go for the neck or is there a a standard way of killing rodents or anything Um, like that? You know, most canids, and you've
1: probably seen your dog do this with a dog toy, if you had puppies for sure, and most dogs, you know, with small animals, um, they can often just shake it and that's enough. So anything, the size of a, a rodent or a rat or a rabbit, they can, they can probably mm-hmm. shake without too much problem. Um, larger than that. And it, you know, it just, yeah, uh, I, it's not ca- like, not like cats, which maybe have a little more of a mode of, of getting an animal from behind and going for mm-hmm. the, the neck or something like that. Um, it, it's probably just a little more wearing it down. and.
0: I know, uh, I've been bit by a dog and it went clean through my hand. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure those coyote teeth are yeah. sharp as razors. Yeah, they're
1: sharp and they're strong. Um, they're designed to feed them just like our teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what, what's going on with the hunting. Um, right. Let me see. You asked if there were some other myths. Um, I mean, we've covered a lot of them, actually, but you know, coyotes, people often think about what's the risk or what's the bad side of having them here. But there are some really good things about having coyotes on the landscape. We already talked about deer and if Mm -hmm. deer aren't somewhat checked and can get over, overpopulated, which deer can do. Um, And again, it's not coyotes taking down adult deer. Typically it's, it's probably more a focus on the fawns, but um, we've talked about rodents and how many rodents they Mm -hmm. focus on. And People really don't like living around rats and mice in their house. And coyotes are specialists on eating those types of animals. Well, they're, they're generalists in that they eat quite a few different types of, of things, but they're good at getting rodents. So um, my sense is the rodent population would be much higher on Bainbridge Island if, if we didn't have coyotes and here. And if
0: you haven't seen your crawl space at your house, you will know that there are rodents galore. <laughs> rodents and rodents, um, yeah. You kind of live near a, a farm uh, and it makes sense now hearing that the coyotes are are down there every day because I'm yeah. sure there's a huge population, population. of rodent, rodents there because they do vegetable gardening and, you know, there's tall grass everywhere and yeah. all around it. And it's a few acres and yep. it's a good place to hunt.
1: Yeah. And rabbits too. I mean, people... Love seeing rabbits. I like seeing rabbits. They're they're cute, and uh, but when you have too many rabbits and they start eating
0: all your oh vegetation, God. so when we first moved here about twelve years ago, Battle Point Park would have a thousand rabbits running around yeah. easily. You are almost like stepping on them like cockroaches, you yeah. Know? And you're like, what is going on? And then all of a sudden. No rabbits for years, and then last yeah. year there seemed to be seemed to a, be a few more, a, a few yeah. more uh, wild rabbit population pop up again. It's kind of goes in cycles. Like the robins had that bird flu disease or whatever last mm-hmm. year, and uh, a couple of years back, the entire raccoon population had some type of disease that wiped them out, and they're still slowly coming back. Yeah. There used to be hundreds and hundreds of raccoons, and there's not so many any, we're seeing, anymore. Seeing
1: more again, but you're right, they were gone for quite a while, and. Possums. I don't see too many
0: of those anymore either. Possums are um,
1: almost strictly nocturnal, so mm-hmm. those are animals that you won't see during the daytime, almost certainly. Um, right. So,
0: I mean, but you usually see them dead on the road. <laughs> yeah. You know, so they are their out eyes at, they glowing are out in the trees.
1: And I will say, you know, we've uh, part of my work involves um, a project called the Urban Carnivore Project, the Seattle Urban Carnivore Project. So we we work with volunteer groups to put cameras uh, wildlife cameras in green spaces and parks and hedgerows and sometimes in people's residences um, mm. throughout greater seattle and so we do have quite a bit of um, opossum activity but it's almost all totally at night so that's why people aren't i, I
0: heard they're much. very kind creatures
1: yeah i You're mean they, sure? they eat lots of different things they right? the uh, word uh, kind is well, I, what do you mean by kind
0: I saw a zookeeper talking about him, and it was just kind of crawling on, on his back, and it was real slow, and it was real docile, yeah. and I mean, I... he was trying to demyth how, the, how this is an ugly creature that yeah. you know that we need to eradicate, and right. So um, I
1: would, I, I was having a hard time wrapping my head around what exactly what you meant by kind. I tend to see most wildlife as as um, just existing and not mm-hmm. not negative, yeah, I think, but I think your point is well taken, and I think it 's very true that people often put these names or labels on animals like they 're vicious, like they 're nasty, mm-hmm. like they um, are dirty and almost all the time, those animals are just living the way they evolved and trying to make a living finding food, finding places to, to live, raise their young. So I, I really don't like the terms vicious or um, foul or... That's um, well, so I came with kind. Even pests. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I know what you mean. And and yeah, I mean, some of those animals, when you see them, you know, with their young and things like that, they're incredibly gentle Um, Mm -hmm. They're obviously not aggressive by nature. Um, It's just how they live. We were talking a little, just a few minutes ago, about the benefits of of coyotes, and we we got off on the tangent of rodents. But coyotes also um, eat, we talked about, a lot of fruits. um, So they can help disperse the seeds of native fruit species um, and get them into places that might be recovering. Salmon berries and huckleberries and all that? Oh, yeah, all those, um, as well as non-native species. So, again, it might be something that's drawing a coyote to someone's yard if you have, um, you know, pears or apples or things like that that they'll Mm -hmm. also eat. So kind of be mindful of that. Um, Because coyotes can eat rodents and also occasionally, um, I know there have been instances where coyotes have, I think, focused on large colonies of feral cats – they can possibly really be a benefit to people in terms of keeping diseases that we don't want in our human communities Mm. down. So there's some research going on at the University of Washington right now, um, another graduate student who's looking at kind of how predators like coyotes interact with their prey like rodents and in some cases domestic animals and how that might benefit humans. Um, There have been some studies in other places that suggest that Without carnivores, these, these animals that eat um, things like rodents and deer on the landscape, ticks, and especially lime ticks, might become more prevalent. Mm. So you might see incidences of diseases like lime becoming more of a risk mm, and no more of a concern, exactly. So so predators and carnivores like coyotes often have all these benefits that we often we don't typically think about, but um, that probably far outweigh any
0: negatives that we're having. All right. We should probably wrap this up and let you get back to work. Uh, well, back to your guests. Yeah. You're heading off to another island. I like like yeah. that. Um, do you have any other talks or projects coming up that we can support or hear?
1: Um, you can look on the website for Woodland Park Zoo. We've got a whole new website. Um, I, I help direct a program called the Living Northwest Program, which is all about the the Northwest here, lots of different projects, not just on carnivores, but pond turtles and butterflies. And you can search on We Are Living Northwest, um, and that will get you there. We have a Seattle Urban Carnivore Project page at seattlecarnivores.org, and then uh, just the Woodland Park Zoo page has quite a bit of information.
0: Okay, you just opened another can of worms. What is a pond turtle? Never heard that.
1: Yeah, western pond turtles are...
0: Do we have turtles on the island?
1: uh, we we do have turtles on the island. Seriously, um, I'm not an amphibian specialist, so I, I can't go into a lot of detail. But Just find me a turtle. I want to say turtle. They're almost all <laughs> introduced and non-native, unfortunately. Uh, and western pond turtles are one of the the native species that we used to have here in Washington that were almost totally extinct. Woodland Park Zoo has been working for the past over two decades, um, bringing um, the small turtles into captivity, raising them, and then releasing them, trying to establish. Um, a breeding and a, and a larger population of this native species. It's mostly in southern Washington right now, and there's efforts going on in Oregon. It's a large collaborative project, but I'm gonna there's check that so out. many wildlife. Uh, That's interesting. Discussions and interesting things to look at. Yeah, our our uh, our webpage is pretty informative about all these. Okay.
0: Well, I'm gonna play podcastville. I'm gonna play you guys out with some coyote um, vocals. If you're wearing headphones, you should probably take them off, um, but. Dr. Robert Long has brought us some voices of the coyotes to hear. Um, Thank you for your time today. Thanks, Tim. It's really been a pleasure. Yeah, it's been a pleasure meeting you. I look forward to kicking the ball around with you and uh, going out to eat with you sometime soon. Um, The Bystander is a community-funded podcast, so please check us out on Patreon. Become a fly on the wall. Your $5 subscription helps keep this content going. You've been listening to The Bystander. Be kind.